not working. What was that noise? I see something outside. Don't go out there! Prepare yourselves for a dark and twisted tale. Wanna play a game? How long can you survive? What is up, all of you spooky people? I'm Tori. And I'm Tyler. And welcome back to Tales of Grimm. Today, we are going to be talking about the second part of Fear Street. Fear Street, 1978. A classic camp murder tale. Wow, that sounded incredibly scripted. You're doing great, champ. That's, like, better than mine. <laughs> I'm a writer. I can pop things into my head, so. Oh. <laughs> so what you're saying is you didn't prepare for that intro, like, a couple days in advance and write it down in your notebook or something? No. Ooh. What can I say? You gotta do better, babe. <sighs> wow, I feel like a horrible host now. <laughs> Well, yes, yeah, so today we are going to be talking about 1978, the uh, the year, not the movie Fear Street. Wow, what a, what a time for us to not be alive because we weren't born then. <laughs> no, nah, I'm just playing. But uh, yeah, so this is the second in a trilogy being released on Netflix. It is again R.L. Stein. And if you haven't heard our first part from last week's episode, I definitely recommend you go back and listen because this is going to be a very spoiler-filled episode, guys. I have been pumped. I've been waiting all week since we watched it last week, and now I'm excited for the third one. It's going to be great. Overall, what was your opinion on this one? Did you like it more or less than the first one? I think I liked the first one more, to okay. be honest. Like, there were so many deaths in this one that were kind of underwhelming because there were so many. Like, you have the main deaths... Um, of, like, the main core people, but, you know, there are the other random campers, like, on top of that, that just get completely massacred, and I feel like the deaths in the first movie were more meaningful, I guess? Yeah, I totally agree with you, because, you know, we're, we're spending more time with the characters, so when we do see the, the actual death, it's, it's kind of sad. Which, the first one didn't have a lot of deaths compared to this one. To me, 1978 felt like how a Friday the 13th movie kind of should have gone during, like, a summer camp, if that makes sense. Because when you, when you look at the original Friday the 13th movie, you just have the counselors. Where this movie, you have a giant camp of kids from, like, the two cities of uh, Sunnyside and Sunnyvale. Or Shadyside and Sunnyvale. And, you know, they're, they're competing against each other at the summer camp. And now a serial killer gets let loose and you have, like, 50 kids running around. Like, it's kind of... Kind of what I wanted to see. Like, yeah, the deaths weren't as meaningful, but there was a lot of deaths. This one did not shy away from blood. Yeah, no. Not at all. You do get to have more of a backstory of Sheriff Good and a character that we don't quite see in the first movie, but we know about her. 
Um, we get more of her backstory and her sister that dies and all of that stuff. And we find out her name is C. Berman in the first movie. And she is played by the amazing actor Gillian Jacobs from Community, which is one of my favorite shows. <laughs> <laughs> and also Sadie Sink, who plays her younger self. Okay, there are two things that are just on my mind that I really cannot get off of my mind right now. So, one, there is definitely, like, a family cult of witches. Because in the first one, you see a hooded figure surrounded by, like, the three stones that's writing uh, Sam's name into the stone. So, that shows that there's a witch in that time. And then in this movie... No... Yeah, if you go no, back no, to no. the first movie, the you see... The name just appears on the stone. No. Yeah. No, in that scene, you see a hooded figure that's supposed to be the witch. Trust me, I remember. That's mm. why I have this theory and why I said it last week as well. Mm. And this movie just solidifies that because... When Ziggy's sister, Cindy, is actually with, what was that, her boyfriend and her two other friends, they find the witch's cabin. And they go down, they see the rocks, but her friend... Are you talking about Ziggy or her older sister, Cindy? Cindy. Gotcha. Yeah, so Cindy, Alice, what was it, Tommy, and the other boyfriend... Um, they find the witch's cabin because they did that whole adventure. And Alice says that someone has been here recently. The candle has been lit, all of that stuff. It could be the nurse because they That's think that the, the nurse is going down. But the way she says recently makes me think that it was within the last few hours well, yeah, at least nurse lane who is also uh, ruby lane's mom i feel found like found the stone which is why she went after tommy because she was saying that his name was scratched into the stone so no matter what he was gonna die that day whether it was by sarah fear or by her hands which is why she tried to kill tommy i don't know i feel like there is no cult at all Hell no. I feel like there is. I feel like there's a cult in probably Sunnyvale. And this actually links into my next theory. Okay. That all of the killers are from Shadyville. Shadyside. Shadyside. Sorry. <laughs> because this cult is for some reason after them. Like, when Tommy is going through camp... You see him killing Shady Siders. Not the Sunnyville people. Or not many of the Sunnyville people. Like, when he kills the one female counselor after she has sex with the other one, he doesn't go after the guy. He only goes after the girl. That's true, and he did leave Nick alive as well. He did. He only well, yeah, was he going after... But... But that was also because Nick was trying to get after him. True. Um, but again, he left him alive. He could have easily, like, beheaded him or, like, hit him in the back or something, at least. 
um, try and do like a final blow. But he left him alive and he went after Ziggy. That's true. That is a very valid point. So my theory is that for some reason, this witch cult that lives in the sunny side of town has to have this ritual sacrifice every 10 years, just like all of her ancestors or his ancestors did. And I don't think it's actually Seraphir. I think it's that witch cult. In that theory, it would make sense as to why Sunnyvale is always the uh, the richy people and stuff. And then Shady Side is always like the poor, lesser, angry people, essentially. Everything bad happens in the shady side of town. But everything good happens in Sunnyvale. Exactly. Well, no, okay, but arguing with that theory is that they killed the boyfriend in the first movie. They, uh, what's her name? Sam was dating the one guy from Sunnyvale. Yeah, the one jock. And he was the first one that got killed by the skull face. Now, you, I guess you could argue he was in the way, but really, I feel like they would have just pushed around him if he wasn't supposed to kill Sunny Valers. Yes and no. Uh, I don't know. I feel like he was, in a way, just in the way, but not like a, I need to push you out of the way. It's a... You are in my way. There is no other way but to kill you so I can get to this girl. Like a very single-minded, I need to kill. Like a shark? Kind of, yeah. Okay. Interesting. I mean, that also kind of makes sense because they smell blood and stuff. (laughs) Yeah, and I think her blood was actually on the boyfriend in the first movie. Possibly. Yeah, I don't remember. That, That would be a very small detail. Yeah. Okay. I think my favorite death in this one was probably Jeremy's death. I feel bad for that little guy. Oh. That was so sad. He's a poor little nerdy kid from uh, Shady Side. He's getting bullied by all the Sunny Veilers while they're playing this like color war tag game, and he's supposed to be the jailer. And then he gets like a bunch of eggs thrown at him. And it's just so disheartening and feels so bad for this kid. But then, you know, all, everyone gets away and he's left alone in the cabin. And that's when Tommy comes out with the, uh, the axe and just, like, brutally butchers him. It was a very sad death. And I think that's why it probably stood out to me the most. Yeah. Not so much as a favorite, but more of, like, a ah, poor guy. Yeah. And then you also have the other three kids that are, like, in the cabin in the dark. When Tommy walks in, and you're just like, God damn. Poor- there are so many children, like, dying in this movie. Yeah, just... I go back to why I think that's how Friday the 13th movie should have been. Something like this. You know, like, seeing Jason going after actual little kids instead of just the teenagers. But then I get the whole horror argument of, like, you know... The teenagers have to be punished and kids have the innocence, yada, yada, yada. Well, not just that, but having less characters means that you can show their story more. Well, yes. And make the audience care for them more. Like, yeah, Jeremy's death was sad. He's this little chubby, nerdy kid with glasses. Getting picked on all the time. All the time. And he just gets 
brutally murdered with an axe. But you also, in the moment, you don't kind of feel bad for him because you know him as a character. It's more of a, dude, you just deserved more. You were just so sweet. But in the Friday the 13th movies, you were rooting for them to either die because they were horrible human beings or rooting for them to live or... Like, well, you were more invested in their stories because really they were... In Friday the 13th, because they literally all are pretty much terrible except the main character. Yeah. I believe this movie kind of hit harder just because there was a lot of children dying. And it just kind of makes you just feel really crappy. At least on my end. I don't know about you. Just so much blood and death. So much decapitation. So much stabbing. Yeah. Oh, yeah, Tommy was brutal with the axe. Oh, God. Although, That (laughs) scene at the end, when Ziggy is with her sister, and they're... Surrounded by all the serial killers. Which they do add two more serial killers. One, you hear about in the first movie, it's a little boy that kills, like, his whole family with the baseball bat and kills himself somehow. Yeah, he has, like, that doll mask. Yeah, really creepy. And then there was another guy with a knife, and it almost looked like he had bees flying around him. Possibly. Yeah, he his mask kind of reminded me of, like, a, a dummy, almost. Kind of. I can't remember what killer that was, though. Yeah, I don't know. Um, but either way, little kid doesn't kill him. Dummy mask is, like, stabbing Ziggy, a.k.a. Uh, future Gillian Jacobs. While Tommy is brutally axing his girlfriend to death in the chest. And the sisters are just looking over at each other. Slaughtered next to each other. One stab after the next, you're just like, oh god. But with the amount of times that Ziggy gets stabbed, I call crap on her being brought back to life with CPR. (laughs) She would have lost so much blood. And, like, even doing CPR on someone that's, like, bleeding out, like, you're pushing blood out. Yeah. I don't know. I'm not in the medical field, so maybe I could be wrong. But I just feel like, you know, that would not have brought her back. I don't think so either. That, that was too many stab wounds. <laughs> I was also this close to looking up how long someone's heart needs to be stopped in order for it to be restarted. Like, how long of a time period you have. Oh, before it won't start back up again? Yeah. It varies by case by case, because you have people that have been unconscious for minutes, and other people where it's like seconds. Or not unconscious, but, like, heart stop beating. Either way, the longer you wait to bring someone back, the more uh, it destroys your brain activity. Exactly. So, like, I want to know, like, what the max time is that someone has ever been brought back from the brink of death. Yeah, we'd have to look that up. Um, but that's a, that's a topic for another podcast. <laughs> yeah, but then Ziggy's little fling, Sheriff Good, comes in and restarts her heart and... Well, not that he's a sheriff yet. It's like young sheriff good. Yeah. Counselor good. Counselor good. Yeah. My favorite death, though, I wish the blonde asshole counselor would have died. I really do. I wanted to see him die. I feel like just all the good people died. 
Oh, you're talking about the um the older counselor. The one that was yeah. sleeping with the girl from Shady Side. Yeah. He gets all the kids out there, out of there on the bus, luckily, or a good amount of them. But he is also such an asshole that I just wanted him to get slaughtered. Yeah. It, because like, he has no redemption at all. No, he's, like, yelling every time someone pulls out marijuana, which, I mean, sure, I get it, your counselor, yell at the kids. But then uh, there's the one scene where after he sleeps with the girl from Shady Side, and he goes, if you don't know anyone about this, I'll kill you or something like that. Or, like, you'll be dead. And then literally he runs into the shower, and then she dies by Tommy. <laughs> and then he runs out when he finds her in his little white tidy whities by the way in his underwear it wasn't me it wasn't me there's blood on your hands did you did do you do it? it no dude there's a killer go get the kids go get the bus <laughs> ring the bell in x amount of time get Just out of here no redeeming qualities he was a absolute chicken shit oh yeah 100%. like now how'd you feel about the reveal of ziggy actually being uh c berman and not her older sister cindy because in the movie, you, you're introduced to Cindy Berman, who, you know, by name logic, you assume it's going to be... Christine. Or you assume that it's going to be Cindy, the older sister. Right. But you find out that Ziggy... Is actually Christine, C. Yeah. Which is C. Berman. I like how we just reversed the opposite of how we just said that. So I'm like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's hard to really say because... I kind of called it. For me? Especially since, logically, you know that Sheriff Good is going to be the younger love interest, the one that Ziggy's interested in. It's not going to be, I want to say the chicken shed older brother was also a good, was he or no? I think he was. Something like that. Like, you know he's going to live. He is in the first movie. And he is familiar with C. Burnham. So I kind of just called that it was the sister. That it was Ziggy. And I even told you during the movie, but I even, like, brought it up. I'm like, you know, it could be a red herring, like, with the sister being, like, a C as well, but... For me, I honestly thought that Ziggy was her until I heard them say Cindy's name, and I was like, oh... Maybe it is actually Cindy. And I didn't, I honestly didn't realize the sister's name was Cindy until like halfway through the movie. <laughs> it was bad. I missed that, that little tidbit of information. But I, I guess they tried to do the whole red herring thing and it, it, I get, it really didn't work out very well. Yeah, that's one thing about this movie series so far is that for me at least, it's very predictable. Oh yeah, 100%. Though the, the shocking thing that I didn't see coming is that under the tree was a rock that said the witch lives forever. Yeah, that's Even though in the stupid. very first movie, I know that they find the body. <laughs> that's where they crash the car. Like, that's... Yeah, and turns out the tree that the witch was buried under is actually now the mall. Oh, God almighty. Which means that they destroyed the camp and built a mall over the camp. Yeah. That's insane. Sunny Valers, dude. Trying to cover up all the dark past. Basically. It's like, come on, guys. 
the ending for me was kind of sad just because, you know, after everything's resolved and then Nick is basically like, oh, you know, I'm, uh, I, I, I can't agree with, you know, the whole Seraphir thing. So he's like, so Tommy just went nuts and did it. And then you just see that shot of, like, 20 bodies just, like, lined up next to each other. I was like, god oh, damn, god. dude. That was heartbreaking. That, that was a sad shot. I feel like he had to have believed it. He had to. Oh, yeah, 100%. That's why he sends the letter to her in the first one. Like, it's happening again. Exactly. So he knows that this happens. He knows that it's the witch. I feel like he believes that wholeheartedly. Oh, yeah, absolutely. But like a sunny veiler, he has to cover it up. Yeah. Because dumb. Yeah. We didn't talk about the bully Sheila. Her and Ziggy's little rivalry. Like, the movie starts off with Ziggy running through the forest and... All of a sudden, this guy just, like, straight up decks her in the face or, like, arm bars her. And, you know, she drops to the ground. And then all the girls come around, surround her, pick her up. They literally tie her hands and, like, string her up by the tree where Seraphir died. And then the bully, Sheila, pulls out, a, like, a lighter or a match or something and starts burning her arm. I was like, oh, my God. The reason they're doing this is because Ziggy stole money from Sheila. But the whole time, they've been torturing her at camp. I don't know about that. I mean, like, they, yeah, they the money was the money in the her. pocket, but... Also, they did say that Ziggy uh, spray-painted and tagged, like, some of the restrooms. She put paint on a bunch of other things. Like, she's she is a troublemaker. Again, she could have also been set up for a few of those things. Because, clearly, the bullies are also artists. Oh, yeah. They wrote... The, they did the classic bully thing of writing, like, slut, you're a witch, a bunch of other things over her bed. Mm-hmm. But one of my biggest complaints with this movie was when Ziggy and Nick ended up getting revenge on Sheila and they locked her in a bathroom. They dumped a bunch of like insects on her and then she couldn't get out. At one point in the movie, Ziggy runs back to the bathroom because, you know, she realized, oh, there's a serial killer running around. She's like, oh, I locked Sheila in the bathroom. After the three or the two or three little friends are like, what did you do with her, you witch? And yeah. then she's like. Oh, oh shit. Yeah, so, you know, she goes back to the bathroom, and she, you know, she gets into a fight with Sheila. She looks like, <laughs> punching her. She's like, how dare you lock me in here? And she's like, calm down. We gotta go. There's a serial killer, huh. but she's not having it. So then they just, like, keep hitting each other, and eventually she's, like, decks Sheila in the face and knocks her out. But my complaint with that is that immediately one of the other guys comes in, and then Sheila just vanishes and disappears. Because then they're more focused on, in, like, one of the other bathrooms, like, in the outhouse, Ziggy's older sister is actually underneath the camp, and the way up is through, like, the actual... Yeah, with Alice. Yeah, is through the toilet. And then we just never see Sheila again. So we don't know if Tommy, after this point, when he breaks into the bathroom to try and kill Ziggy, if he killed Sheila, or did Sheila escape on the bus with some of the other kids? They, they just leave it completely unknown. And I want to know what happened to Sheila. <laughs> I don't think she escaped on the bus. But I also don't think that he killed her. You just think she just woke up at some point? I think so, yeah. You see her get knocked out. And you also see in the movie that the doors close, like, pretty easily. So she could have been hidden from Tommy's sight. And she could have just woken up in the morning with all of, like, the police cars... Or anything like that. Like, 
I feel like she's probably alive, sadly. Although I really don't want her to. I want her to become like a drug addict or something and die like that. Wow. Brutal. He's a mean bully. <laughs> okay, very, my, very mean. My she other burned Ziggy. My other literally. complaint. Sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. But my other complaint with the movie was uh, the one scene where Ziggy like puts the mask over Tommy's head and like starts pulling. And then all of a sudden like the burlap sack becomes like this perfect scary mask for him. That's stuck to his face. <laughs> I was like, what? Why? No, it, does, it doesn't form fit. It doesn't shrink. Even if you're pulling on it. It's a, it's a sack. <laughs> stupid. Yeah, pretty stupid. All right, now the last thing. On a scale of 1 to 10, how would you rate the movie? Six. It was a good movie, good acting. Some of the main characters, you know, I grew more attached to... You got to see a better side of Ziggy and Sheriff Good, and you got to see the backstory of Cindy and Alice and finding the cabin, and you get to know more about the witch in that way. But again, there were just too many characters that I just didn't give very much care to, and just, yeah, really... <sighs> Really predictable moments. Yeah, I'm going to give this one a 7 out of 10. Because there is a lot of things that are predictable. But I did like the... I, I was okay with the amount of deaths. Were they as impactful as the first one? No. But for me, it's a more realistic approach for, you know, a serial killer being at a summer camp. And with the amount of students. So I kind of like that. I did like the, the bullying stuff and Ziggy getting revenge on him. I thought that was kind of fun. Because she was a little brat <laughs> the entire time. Okay, can we also talk about how the bully wanted her first time to be in a bathroom? Oh, yeah. <laughs> Dumb. I could have done it in your cabin, but the bathroom works too. Oh, God. And then bugs all over. <laughs> I thought the deaths were pretty brutal, so that kind of upped it a little bit for me. Also, I, I, there's too much exposition at one point. There, when Ziggy and Cindy were arguing, like, in the beginning of the movie, she's like, Oh, you just think you're this perfect person since Dad left. Go ahead and say it. Yeah, Dad walked out on us. And we're losing the house. And I was like, okay, that was a lot of at once. And then the same thing happened again later on with Alice and Cindy when they're underneath the tunnels. And she was like, you were my best friend. We were basically alike. And then I... Decided I didn't want to be here anymore, so I turned you in so I could be- It was just too much. So to me, that lowers it, but what saves it for me is that I love that this is a whole story about an incident that happens, and we're getting it from, well, older Ziggy's perspective, which I thought was a really kind of fun twist on a serial killer movie. And I do love that we're getting more backstory into the witch, because we didn't get a whole lot in the first one. And I just thought the deaths were- pretty entertaining to watch overall which is the most important thing in a horror movie if the deaths aren't entertaining it, it doesn't make for a great movie although one thing that i do kind of have to question is if it's supposed to be in ziggy's perspective of what she remembers how are we why are we also else's? seeing like the cabin and all of that stuff <laughs> like i get it's a movie that's fine but it's also like... <laughs> How does she know this is what's going on? 
Right. Like her sister didn't have time to tell her oh, all no, her, of this she stuff. She had like, no idea what was going on underneath the camp. None whatsoever. Right. So, which is a very valid point. But yeah, but you have to suspend belief for the movie. Yeah. All right. On that note, thank you guys for listening to this uh, spooky episode this week. And get ready when we complete the trilogy for Fear Street 1666 next week. We'll see you guys next time. See ya.